Welcome to the Reggie McNeil Podcast, where we explore what it means to seek God's kingdom here on earth. Join us on our journey to become more aware of and encouraged by God's work in and around us. Reggie, let's talk about changing the story then. What do you mean when you say change the narrative? The narrative is the story that we are living into, whether or not we can even articulate that story or not. The power of narrative is underestimated. Uh, I'll give you a personal example, a biblical example, that I think uh, that that way our our leaders can uh, and the people that are listening in can can get it. You see, you, I contend that Saul, the first king of Israel, never saw himself as king, and he lived into that narrative. I mean, the kingdom was ultimately taken from him. Now, he had everything in the world going for him, apparently. You know, he, he was tall. He was you know, athletic. He had a good family pedigree. He, he was charismatic, uh, you know, on and on and on. But he had to be drafted, you know, uh, they reluctantly into being king, as, we're, as we know from that story. And I'll tell you, when Samuel goes to him and to deliver the message, uh, that the kingdom was being taken from him. The f- when he starts quoting God, here's what God says through the prophet to Saul. First word, Saul, though you were small in your own eyes, I made you king. Now that's interesting. Saul never saw himself as king, and he lived into it. David, on the other hand, <laughs> no one saw him as king. Uh, you know, but his internal narrative, you know what David's favorite phrase to describe himself in the Psalms is the Lord's anointed. Well, if if that's the story that's running in your head, well, where did you get that? Well, you know, it's from when Gandalf showed up, you know, at, at his dad's house, Samuel. I think Gandalf's a great picture for where did he come from and where and then he disappears and you know, what's he up to? And he just shows up and people start quaking. So Samuel comes to Jesse's house and says, Yeah, I'm looking for the king of Israel. I'm going to anoint the king, you know, and all the sons come I mean, how would you like to grow up listening to the fact that your dad, your own dad, couldn't even come up with you as first, second, third, fourth, fifth mm-hmm. and Samuel keeps going you know, Jesse, I'm just, I'm just not getting the email here. I mean, this, you can, this are all your sons? Well, no, we got the kid out back practicing to be a rock star. Well, you know, well, bring him in, you know. And so Samuel anoints David, and even though no one else saw him in that role, he lived into the Lord's anointed narrative. Well, to move that now to a corporate, and by the way, when I coach individuals, and even church teams, but let's stay with individuals for a minute. Because of that, I'll ask folks, tell me a movie, tell me a book, uh, tell me a Broadway play, uh, you know, a TV show, something that we, that's common that we would know that describes your life or your misery. It's a quick read on uh, when people tell me. Mm-hmm. And usually individuals will give me a collage, you know, well, I'm a little bit like this, I'm a little bit... Well, that tells me what's going on in their brain the story that they're living out in their mind. Uh, I asked church leaders and teams the same thing. I can remember when I asked one church, 
six out of seven of their executive leadership team said Titanic. I mean, <laughs> I mean you don't have to be particularly prescient as a consultant to know we got us a problem here. You know, everybody here is looking for a lifeboat. There ain't nobody looking to turn this ship around. So, but you know, that's the power of narrative because we live into that. Well, okay, so if we think that the story that we're living out is about building a great church so that people will turn to God, forget it. I mean, that is a, that's a narrative that's going to lead you down into making all kinds of wrong choices or you know inadequate choices. But if you think your story is, we are here to point people to a great God and, you know, and, and to tell his story and to make sure people have access to the life that God intends for, that God is for them, not again. This was Jesus' message. Mm -hmm. This is why it was such a welcome relief compared to the message they were getting from the the Pharisees, who largely had control of the the synagogues, or from the Sadducees, who looked down their long noses because you know they had the you know God on their side because they had position and influence. So you put plebes out there, forget it. I mean, you know, Jesus' message was such a well. I, I think sometimes. We don't read it like that. I mean, we've mm -hmm. forgotten that it's good news. And, and yeah. Jesus preached the good news, not the good news of the gospel. You know, I mean, I grew up with evangelicals. It's like the gospel of the gospel. No, it's the good news of the kingdom. It's not the gospel of the church. Good news of the kingdom. Life. God is here for yeah. you. Well, and I think story, story is such a power tool on its own. I mean, it's so much the way our brain works. Yes. So much the way our culture works, our culture doesn't want facts and, you know, commercials mm. aren't, here's Colgate toothpaste and the three reasons why. It's a story. Yeah. And yeah. and it's it's always been strange to me that I read the Bible and it's story. Yeah. Even Numbers is the book about how we got the numbers. It's a story. Yeah. Um, like somewhere along the way, we, it stopped for us in the Enlightenment somewhere we don't even think of it as a story. We we sing, "This is my story." This is my, but we we don't think of it like a story, oh. and we don't see what we do as story. It's doctrinal statements. It's these truths that we have to protect. For, uh, formulas for living, yeah. <laughs> Instead of stories to illuminate life, you know, we're we're consumed with the formula or, or whatever. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, so I think we, we've got to start approaching these things as story, and I think we can do that in our preaching and in a lot of the ways we approach Scripture. And then I, but but how do you start to then reshape the story of churches? Well, so every client that I work with in hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, where we're we're thinking through everything, you know, I say, let's go to your website. You know, what are you? What story are you sending out? Because trust me. You know, you're you're telegraphing, uh, telegraphing. Sorry for that old. And you're streaming uh, a story about what your church really believes. Uh, you know, I was working with uh, one client, and I had them. You know, they had these story testimonials on their uh, homepage about why this was such a great church. And you know, God got mentioned once, Jesus not at all. Out of the two stories, but a lot of customer service stuff got. You know, like you know, the food's great and. You know, the worship team's fabulous, so we love the music and the preaching's really good and the valet parking, you know, uh, 
<laughs> I, mean, I couldn't believe. It. I mean, this is no different from you know just a club, uh, you know, telling yeah. about why they like to be there. But so I say, let's start with your what? What are you saying? Your mm-hmm. business? What business are you in? Let's go to church now. In your gatherings, how can you? And and I mean, it's a simple stuff. It's like, but it's like uh, every, every one of my clients that will at least have once a month they'll have a community leader that they interview. I mean, I grew up in a church where we prayed that God would, you know, blind us to what's going on around us so we could focus on him during the worship service. And I can just see God turning conniptions. I don't want you to lose sight of the world. That's why I came for crying out loud. That's your job. You know, you got all eternity. We'll get around to this. other. But pay attention. You know, you're in the world. Pay attention. Not of it. Pay attention. Uh, so, uh, so interviewing the school chief or the police chief or, or you know the mayor or city council person or a high school guidance counselor or or a health social worker, you know, bringing those just to keep in front of the church and then pray yeah. for them, you know. Um, or I like what a friend of mine does. He has that's bringing the church. But how about the flip side? Our own folks who are there, are all, and the way he honors that is he has this moment in his service that's called twenty four hours from now. And he brings somebody up, you know, and they know this is happening. This is not sprung on them. And, you know, and he asks them just some basic, 24 hours from now, where are you going to be? You know, and, uh, well, I'll be in a classroom. I'll be, you know, teaching yeah. or I'm uh, showing folks or I'm a whatever. Yeah, and then, oh, it's a great. And then he says, well, where do you see God at work in there? And then how can you bring God in the, oh, my gosh. You see, what that does is that automatically says this is not the point. Mm-hmm. The game's out there. I mean, another image I use, I use hub and airport. Another one is game and halftime. You never play. You don't play a game so you can have halftime. <laughs> I mean, you have halftime so you can play a better game, you know. And so, uh, I mean, what kind of crazy thing would it be? We're losing the game, but, boy, we had a great halftime. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you should have heard the coach's story. Are you kidding? So telling those, you know, just what we emphasize in our gatherings, mm-hmm. Then let's go to the leaders' meetings. How many elder meetings or account or session meetings or all that? You know, we never get to outside the church. It's all church stuff. The air conditioner on the third floor is rumbling, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and we got some people are upset, you know, because they didn't get their bulletin time or whatever. The font changed. You know, I mean, why in the world? <laughs> some of those sounded particular. <laughs> yeah, sorry, right. sorry, but you know, I mean, I just go nuts with this stuff. So. Why in the world don't we in, you know, start with the community since that's our assignment, mm-hmm. the kingdom? And if we got any leftover energy, then fool around with the church stuff. But, you know, elders and session leaders and all have a bad habit of coming and then trying to make up a reason to be there. And they start poking around on stuff and then pastors get worried. But, uh, you know, start the meeting with, in fact, I even, all my clients, I even challenge them to, uh, you know, if, if they can, to have a project in the community they're working on together. Yeah. I mean, that just keep that keeps the main thing the main thing. You know, so yeah. those are some ways, yeah. practical ways. Because for churches, they are already living a story. Yes. They're already showing it in the session agenda, in the insider language we use in church, in the way we do church exactly the same every time. We are communicating something about why we're here. Yes. And 
And so part of what the church has to do is, is, is look at that and say, well, what story are we living? Is that the story we should be living? Yes. And we're telling a story about God. Yeah. Is God made uh, you know, is salvation mostly about, you know, fixing sin, you know? I mean, the sin problem, or, or is it a release to life? Yeah. You know, uh, that's so powerful, the difference. If God is trying to fix you, <laughs> or, yeah. if, or if God celebrates you. Now, which one? I mean, uh, which as a parent, we know the difference that yeah. comes across to our children. Why are, why don't we evaluate the yeah. story of God that we're yeah. presenting? And, and then we wonder why new people don't want to be a part of exactly. our boring story. Young people don't want to be a part of our, you know. Yes. If our story is we really miss the 1960s oh. <laughs> or the 1990s. Uh, well, when of, can of we get back not together? Yeah, not yeah. everybody wants to be. That's not an engaging story that people want to be a part of. No. And they know it when they walk in. Now, Jordan, that brings up something that it's interesting because when God wants to change the story in a big way, I mean, he'll use a natural catastrophe like a COVID pandemic or or he'll change the generational, the, the values of an entire generational cohort. So we have millennials coming along and everybody's now talking about the millennials. Well, pay attention. I mean, because the culture didn't set their values. The, those values... I mean, they had cultural experiences that highlighted and helped shape that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the church didn't set those values for those millennials. But pay attention because look what they are interested in. Community, service, you know, it's exactly the way if I were, you know, if you wanted to shift the church emphasis, you'd send a whole new generation in that say, you know, we need to serve our communities. Mm -hmm. That's how we're authentic. Pay attention to that. That's critical. 